Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Supercoach draft players. Well, open your ears because you're in for a treat this morning. Ryan Selvage and Tommy Hudson with you again. Supercoach365 running the eye over the top 20 draft picks. Tommy, you looking forward to the draft next weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Ever since, I suppose, getting involved with it a couple of years ago, it's made rugby league even more fun to watch. I was already a huge fan, but this just adds an extra element to games you wouldn't usually even care about that much. So, yeah, absolutely buzzing for the draft uh, in the coming week. Supercoach is an exciting game from a classic perspective, but I think draft just adds that extra level of excitement and it just makes every game so much more important, I think, when you're watching on from home. So, really excited about that. We'll get stuck into that in a minute. As we say, we've picked our top 20. There are some commonalities, but some differences there as well. We'll get to that in just a moment. Before that though, Tommy, an interesting article published by the Daily Telegraph this morning. They've asked the question, who is the super coach GOAT, the greatest of all time? Yeah, very interesting actually. It's a bit of a throwback uh, article in my opinion, getting back to the early days of super coach for me. If you have a look at the list, we'll go through it in a sec, but names like Burgess, Corey Parker, Paul Gallen, Nathan Highmarsh, that was some of the uh, original goats of Supercoach. We said it off air just a moment ago that Corey Parker here, some phenomenal numbers. I think his name is mentioned, I think, four or five times in the top seven seasons uh, in terms of points scored in a season and his points per game here, just going through it. 2011, 97. Uh, 2010, 93. 2013, uh, he was there at 88 points per game. So this is just some phenomenal numbers. And you likened it to as if Ryan Madison or an Angus Crichton perhaps this year was kicking goals. It's just a phenomenal thought. Yeah, exactly. He's, he was a workhorse to begin with, 80-minute player in a, in a pretty good team of that era. And then also on top of that, goal kicking. So it was just the complete package. And as you can see, that's reflected in his amazing scores through that period. I was surprised to see that Sam Burgess had the highest uh, accumulative total of Supercoach points of any season, to be honest, in 2014. 
yeah, I'm not sure they might have played an extra game that year or uh, compared to maybe the, the year of 2011 where Parker's just behind him, obviously has more points per game, Parker there. And as we say, you can check this article out at the Daily Telegraph, uh, an interesting read, and it, it's kind of a good segue into our chat this morning in terms of our our draft order, our top twenty picks for draft. And uh, we will say this that we haven't colluded, we haven't, uh, we didn't put our list together until this morning actually, where we sat down and we ran the eye over uh, who we had similar and who we had different. So. Uh, where should we start? I think we should start with the unique picks here in the top 20. And Tommy, your list features uh, Clint Gutherson at pick nine. I didn't have Gutho in my top 20. Yeah, very surprised by this uh, that you haven't found a spot for one of the better fullbacks in Supercoach. I know there are a lot of replacement fullbacks if you miss out on Gutho, but I, I still thought he had to be in the top 20. I had him at number nine. I had him as the second highest fullback ranked behind uh, James Tedesco, of course, but look, he's just so reliable. Gutherson, he's involved in a lot of Eels attack. I don't really see a downside with him this year. I'm all about consistency in draft, and he's, I suppose, probably the most consistent fullback apart from Tedesco. Yeah, I like that, and I did have, I will not give too many secrets away here, but four fullbacks in my top 20, and Gutherson wasn't one of them, but you've made a good case there in terms of consistency, because he is pretty solid, Gutho, and Maybe he doesn't have the highlights of a Pappenhausen or an AJ Brimson, but he is pretty reliable. And I think one thing that works in Gutherson's favour is his creative stats. He has a lot of try assists for a fullback, which uh, is probably different to those other names that I've just mentioned there. But no, a good shout. And uh, moving on down this list, um, not too far behind Gutherson, you had Lomax at pick number 11. I thought this was a little bit high for mine for a centre winger. Yeah, look, it probably is. He's the only centre winger I had in the top 20. Um, I was surprised to find out that you didn't have him because I know you're one of his biggest fans, but obviously you're prioritising other things in the draft this year. But I, I don't know. I just His scores last year are amazing. He had an occasional low score, but some of the weeks he had were massive. Um, goal kicker is probably the biggest draw card for him and also drill position, which is massive in draft. He's a fullback and centre winger. So if your fullback goes down, you've got him to cover. Yep, again, I'm not going to disagree with anything you've said there. I'm a massive fan of Lomax, and goal kicking is obviously very important, but yeah, I don't know. I think the Dragons, a lot of people have got them towards the bottom of the ladder this year, and Lomax, he did score a lot of tries last year, kicked a lot of goals as well. Can he keep that up this year? I'm not too sure, but anyway, we'll find out in the coming days and weeks. Uh, Next up, at our pick 18, so getting further down the list here, I think you should announce this one. Who do you have at pick 18? Yeah, look... I flirted with leaving him out, but I didn't. Cameron Smith. I I wasn't going to pick him, as I just said, but I just I remembered it's Cameron Smith. I just, honestly, he's probably, other than Tedesco, the best super coach player over the past couple of seasons. I think it's, it's not guaranteed, but you'd have to think he's going to be there at some point in the year. And I feel like once he is signed, he's going to want to get on the field pretty quickly. And, like, knowing Cameron Smith mm. as we do, I don't think he's going to want to come back and be a player that sits on the bench half the game. I think he's, wanna, he's gonna come back and still be at his best. And if you can pick him up, late, like not too late in the draft, maybe after the first, I suppose, round of picks, maybe after two rounds of picks, you'd be looking pretty good if he comes uh, mid-season and adds another string to your bow. I think there's three names here in our top 20 that are gonna cause absolute headaches on draft day. If we get to this time in a week's, in a week's time, seven days from now when we're doing our draft, and Cameron Smith still hasn't made a decision. That's just another curveball to, ha- to we'll have to consider. 
Uh, obviously not wishing injury upon anyone in today's trial or this weekend's trials, but that's another thing we'll have to consider. And two other names that we will get stuck into later, uh, Sean Johnson and Tom Travojevic, their injuries, they just throw another dimension into this draft, as we say there, but they're just too good. You have to have them there somewhere. You haven't found a space for SJ. I have, uh, and I'll get into that in just a moment. But I think, yeah, this Smith and, and Johnson and Travojevic, this dynamic that these three bring to the draft in 2021, it's something very unique, isn't it? It is, and there's a forgotten, I suppose, small benefit of picking up a player like that is that he can sit on your bench and be a good loophole option in the early rounds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you are playing uh, a captaincy league, which we do, uh, I like that extra tactical play of the vice-captain loophole. Some don't in draft leagues. They don't like the fact that Tedesco can blow away a score of 300. Um, makes him even better than what he already is. But we play with captains. So uh, again, we, we've, we have put this list together with captaincy in mind. So I think it's important we say that as well. Next up, pick 19. Again, further down this list here, you had uh, a front row forward. Yeah, David Klemmer. Um, look, past Cameron Smith, I was just trying to fill in a couple of consistent players in my top 20, and David Klemmer fits the mould there. He's averaged high sixties the past two years. He's the best front rower, front row forward sorry, in the category on Supercoach. No reason why he won't produce that again this year with Knights looking to go pretty well. Yeah, I think, and we'll get into my picks very, very soon, but looking at this list here, you have prioritised big high-scoring 2RFs and, and front-row forwards as well. The last of those on uh, pick 20, uh, Tohu Harris. Tell me about Tohu. Why has he made your top 20 in 2021? Well, it's just the same again, just reliability. I know I sound like a broken record with his consistency and reliability, but I just think that, is, that has won me games over the years. I, I know you probably need that superstar in your team, but if you can have a couple of blokes who you just know are going to churn out 65-70 every week, that's going to have you in great stead every week. So Toe Harris fits the mould there. I'm happy just to be with him. Yep, absolutely. Not going to disagree there in terms of consistency and reliability being important from those uh, from those positions, the two RFs or the front row forwards, wherever you want to play those those sort of players. Uh, working through my list here, and I'll go from, kind of from 20 backwards, uh, Pick 18, I had Tavita Pangai, front row forward, 2RF, so his dual position. I liked him, averaged 69.6 last year. I think he can maybe even build upon that this year if he gets his head right and he stays uh, free from suspension, which is a very tough task for, for Pangai. We've seen him just blow his head off at different times throughout his career. But I like him to start the season. Obviously, Payne Haas won't be there, so I think if he can maybe... Uh, play a more of a middle role than that edge role that we've been accustomed to seeing from TPJ over the last few years that he can improve his stocks. We mentioned Sean Johnston before. I had him at pick 17. He's just, what he produced last year for the Sharks was quite unbelievable, really. Tries his merchant. He kicks goals as well, but he is injured. So when, uh, when he comes back, again, he's sort of one of those players that, that can carry you through a final series. And Draft's a long year, isn't it, Tommy? you just got to get to those finals and then anything can happen. Yeah, absolutely. He's, as we mentioned before, there's many players here who are stars of the game but just injured at the moment. But if they're fit at the right time of the year, it'll be a massive help here. Another uh, key halfback that I've included in this list, which you couldn't find a spot for, was Adam Reynolds at pick number 16. A few things about Reynolds which I really like this year. Finals week one, their Supercoach finals, it's against the Titans. They have a grand final against the Dragons in uh, round 25. Nine of their last 12 games, that's South Sydney, are against non-top eight teams from 2020. So that coupled with the fact that the halfback position is so shallow outside of Cleary, 
uh, Daly, Cherry Evans, Johnson when he's fit. I really like Adam Reynolds this year. I think he's playing with a point to prove as well, and South will be thereabouts. Yeah, you probably make a good point there. He is possibly the next best halfback after, I suppose, the big three that you just mentioned. As someone that thinks South are going to go really well this year, look, I can't argue with you. He's probably on the cusp of my top 20 as well. I guess some cons against Adam Reynolds and other South's players are the fact that in that second week of the Supercoach Finals, they come up against the Panthers in week three against the Roosters. So two very good defensive teams there that uh, Adam Reynolds and South Sydney will have to get past if you are to win your Supercoach draft competition. Uh, the last unique name here that I had on my list is Api Korosau. Uh, at pick 14, interesting one with Appy is you don't know if he's going to play 80 minutes. He probably won't actually this year. But I think the game's moving towards more of someone like Appy Coruscant's style. We saw it last year with Grant and Damian Cook, of course. And if you look at Supercoach, the rankings of the hookers from last year, Appy Sai was actually the fifth best hooker in 2020. But the fact that Smith, well, we think Cameron Smith's finished, uh, McInnes is out injured. Suddenly, Appy is now a top three hooker. So I think you just have to find a way to get Appy Chorus out in this top 20 list. Yeah, you make good points. It's just the first point you made is the one that turned me off, and that's the fact that he probably won't play 80. Uh, pretty much every player in my top 20 is going to play 80 minutes every week, and I just hate watching a game when I've got super coach in my mind and my players on the bench. I just can't stand it. So I can't make a case really for him to, to pick him that early sort of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why we're here for and against. We like it. Sorry, I will mention this. One man I did miss out at pick number 19, further down the list, so just behind uh, Pangai Jr. And this was quite a surprise, I think, to some that I've shown this list to already. Uh, Dylan Brown, I've got him in the top 20 uh, as a 5'8". Again, we mentioned the shallow, um, I guess, the the lack of depth in these positions, in the halves especially. 63.8 average. His, His base was better than both Munster and Walker last year. He's going to be in a great competitive team. I think a lot of people have the eels on the slide. I just can't see that. But again, some downsides to picking Dylan Brown so high. His finals week three, they play Melbourne, and the grand final in Supercoach will be against the Panthers. Yeah, I'm a massive fan of Dylan Brown. Uh, I think I've said in previous podcasts, but I don't know. He He's definitely another one. You're not going to go wrong with him. I just had so much emphasis on getting Walker and Munster, as we'll get into in a minute, that... I probably didn't think about Dylan Brown. Jack White and while we're on the topic is another probably in a similar mould to uh, Dylan Brown as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been a big fan of White to start the year in the classic competition. But uh, Brown for mine rounds out the the next best of the 5.8s behind both Walker and Munster from a draft perspective. Tommy, let's get into the top of this list. Though. This is why everyone's here. They want to find out who we've got at pick 1, 2, 3, all the way down to top 10, really. We had a lot of commonalities here and... Jeez, this, this first pick is probably a very controversial one, but but tell me who we both went with here at pick number one. Nathan Cleary is my number one draft pick for 2021. A few factors contributed to this decision. It was a toss of the coin, honestly, with another player we'll get to in a second, but his averages the last four years, 70, 62, 68, and then 83 last year. Just had a massive breakout year. I don't really see a reason why Penrith go backwards this year, so I think he's set for that again. Uh, his low score, he only had one score below 50 last year, which is great consistency, which is a thing that I've sort of prioritised, as I've mentioned. And probably the biggest factor is that in the halfback category, there's no real competitor for Nathan Cleary. He's so far better than the next player. I think he was 20, 20 points per game higher than DCE last year. So, look, he it's pretty much him or bust at halfback. Yeah, and that's those factors you mentioned there is just how 
much better he is upon the next best. Massive, massive reason why I've also picked Cleary at pick number one. Uh, We mentioned before that we do play in a captaincy league here, so this has also swayed my thinking a little bit. Six of Penrith's first nine games are on a Thursday or a Friday night. So straight away to me, that just says that you can pretty much have a free hit out of captaincy with Cleary as a vice-captain pretty much for half of the season. So Sorry, a quarter of the season there, but for in that first half of the 2021 season. So you can just pretty much put the VC on, on Cleary. He can go out, he can score uh, 50, doesn't matter. You've still got your captain on uh, one of those safe, consistent 2RFs like Tommy's already mentioned there. Or he goes out and scores 100, and already it's Thursday night and you've got 200 points in your in your bank. So, yeah, it's uh, for mine, it, it had to be Cleary at pick number one on those things. Also... Let's just get into this. His finals week one matchup against the Dragons and week three against the Tigers. So already you think if you make the finals with Cleary in your team, you can post a big score against the Dragons, win you your finals week one matchup, then you head into week three against the Tigers. You're probably going to win that one with Cleary as captain as well. So straight away you're in a Super Coach Grand Final. <laughs> you're painting a, ber- a very pretty picture there, but look, it's hard to disagree with what you're saying, especially the Thursday, Friday night uh, theory you have. If you can just whack the vice-captain on him, it takes that stress off your hands. And then, like you said, the favourable fixtures, if you make the finals, he's going to be a massive help to you as long as he doesn't rest. Yeah, and that's a key word, that word of rest. And it's something which I really hate. And I've actually been the beneficiary of this, that word rest in Supercoach finals in years gone by. And someone who just loves having a rest in the important weeks of Supercoach finals is our pick number two, James Tedesco. Yeah, that's... When we, we did have a chat about this a couple of weeks ago, and that was a huge factor in my mind, the fact that Robert, Trent Robertson, Roos' coach, he's very happy to rest his key players ahead of the final of the NRL finals, and that often bodes poorly for our super coaches as players like James Tedesco miss out on important games. So that's a big factor contributing to him being number two for me as well. But we have to talk about some of his positive as well. I think 95 average last year, which was 12 players. 12 points higher than the next best being Nathan Cleary. That's just ridiculous dominance, really. It's it's amazing when you say that, that we haven't picked him as our first choice. But I suppose another thing to consider is that the fullback category is packed full of talent, as we'll probably get into later in this yeah. list. There's so many options that will still have you in good stead if you miss out on Teddy. Well, I had four fullbacks in this top 20, as I said, from the top there. But I think... Another thing you have to consider as well with Teddy, a good point made by the NRL physio um, only as recent as last week, is Teddy, he's one of those players who you think of, he can just do so many good things, but it only takes one bad hit, just one head knock, and suddenly someone like Trent Robinson, we've seen it in the past with Boyd Cordner and Luke Keary, is more than happy to put his players' health and well-being before that of his own team's success on the field. Really good from Trent Robinson, but as a super coach who... You know, you pick these guys thinking that they're going to be there every single week. The fact that Teddy's had such a history with concussion, as recent as State of Origin as well, uh, it, it's just another negative factor against him for mine. Well, Robinson, Robinson clearly doesn't play super coach, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I wish he, he did because then he'd have our best interests in mind. But look, we've got to deal with it as it is. And it is a big factor I think people should consider when uh, trying to go for Tedesco first. Teddy was rested in finals week three. Uh, Supercoach finals week three last year. Uh, another, I guess we're just reading the pros and cons here of picking Teddy in, in the cons list at the moment. Finals week three against South. So, you know, we're expecting them to do good things this year, South. So that's not going to be an easy fixture. But importantly, I think this is this is the key part for mine. 
The finals, week four, Supercoach Grand Final. Teddy has to go to Canberra to play the Raiders. So that's that's going to be a tough fixture and a tough ask for Teddy to produce a massive score away from home against the top team. Yeah, you compare those fixtures to the ones that you are explained with Nathan Cleary earlier and it's a massive leg up for Cleary, that's for sure. Let's get into pick number three. I've gone with Damian Cook, but you've you've prioritised Ryan Madison. Is that due to his, I guess, consistency, his reliability there in the 2RF slot? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just... I really want to, if I miss out on Cleary or Tedesco, I really just want to bank a player that I know will probably get over 70 every week, or at least he did last year. And I really do dislike second rollers because I think they're the most reliable position in the game. And there's probably three you could choose from, but uh, Ryan Madison is the top of the pops for me this year. I had him last year, so maybe a bit of personal bias because he did a really good job. Played 80 minutes pretty much every week. Scored a few tries at the start of the year, which really boosted his numbers great base and just a good captain option every week. So Ryan Madison for me. Can't disagree with those points there. And I'm just looking at your list here before I jump too far ahead. And you've gone, uh, obviously, Cleary, Teddy, Madison, 2RF. Then you've gone another two 2RFs, and we'll get into those in a moment. But I think that's that kind of spells the way that you're thinking here. As I said, I've gone with Damian Cook. I think aside from Cameron Smith, he's probably been the most consistent number nine of the past three seasons, both in the NRL and in Supercoach. Some other key factors here, which I really liked about Cook. He averaged 72 in his last seven games to end 2020, so he's obviously running downhill there. I think he got better uh, after the COVID break. We all thought that that he would be the main beneficiary of this six-again rule and picking the ball up and running. Probably took him a little bit longer than we all expected for him to, I guess, you know, get acclimatized to those new rules. But I think he'll be firing from uh, from round one this year. We've already mentioned that Souths have a great run home uh, to end the season. And again, those fixtures in the finals. Finals week one against the Titans in South. In the final week of the NRL, they'll play a grand final against the Dragons, a super coach grand final. I guess you, there is that little bit of a concern there that if South are embedded in that top four, that Cook might have a rest against the Dragons in that final week. What do you think there? Yeah, obviously it's a possibility. I would say it's less probable than what we spoke about before with Tedesco and Trent Robertson being that sort of coach. I'm not sure if Wayne Bennett would look to do that. It's it's hard to, I guess, know now. It'll depend a lot on how Souths are going or if they really need to win that last game. You probably just... I don't think you can have it in your mind as too much of a factor. Having Origin in the middle of the year this year is probably another thing which might work against Cook in that way. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We're just hypothesising uh, before round one's even gotten underway. Pick number four here. I've gone with Ryan Pappenhausen. Now, he's the first of... Any player to double up in a position here in my picks. So obviously I had James Tedesco at fullback uh, at pick number two. Ryan Pappenhausen also a fullback at pick number four. I've picked him here so high because he's obviously confirmed the fact that he's going to be kicking goals this year uh, on the Storm social media. So that average of 2020 uh, is 71 points per game. He might even be able to lift that in 2021. Yeah, that's uh, huge news about the uh, the goal-kicking factor I, I I didn't really think about that when I compiled this list the news sort of broke after that so I've got him a little bit lower but yeah that's that's enormous news and it really boosts his stocks that's for sure yeah I've included Pappenhausen here I think the fact I've drafted this list on the on the basis of players who can put together a massive score uh, you've gone with consistency and reliability I've probably had that bias towards these high ceiling players Pappenhausen five of his 17 games last year he scored 100 plus his grand final this year against uh, will be against the Sharks uh, in that final round of the NRL. So for mine, I think it's a couple of pros there which 
which really helped Pappenhausen up this list and ahead of someone else in, in a different position, like a 5'8 or a hooker, um, so high up on this list. Yeah, look, and you spoke just then about ways of playing the game. I probably do prioritise consistency. You probably prioritise, I suppose, someone that can get 100 more often. And I, I'm not here to say which is a better way to play. I'm probably just a bit more of a boring bloke. I just like banking a score. But uh, And that's probably the reason for my number four being Jason Taumalolo. Uh, most people believe he had, I guess, a below-par year last year, and he, he kind of did, but he still averaged 72 on Supercoach, and that's not being in great form. And the Cowboys were pretty ordinary as well. Cowboys with a new coach, I just think that could bring the best out of Jason Taumalolo again. Hopefully some more minutes, as his minutes seemed to die off a little bit last year. And look, with the 72 average last year, not playing at his best... So there's, there's some scope for improvement there. Yeah, look, Paint, this is probably the first time I'm really going to have to disagree with uh, where you've had someone in, in this list. I can kind of make a case for Madison being so high, but I can't for Tamalolo. I think, I, I don't know, I can only see him going backwards from that average, to be honest. I think he's going to play less minutes this year. His finals matchups for the Cowboys, uh, from memory, they're not too good. I think they have a toughish run home. So I've actually got Jason Tamalolo, but I've got him way down at pick number 13. So wow. um, good good to have a difference of opinion here. But um, yeah, in the past, he has been that model of consistency and reliability. I'm just not sure we see that from uh, Jason Tamalolo in uh, 2021. No, look, fair enough. It's just a straight, I suppose, disagree of what I think about the Cowboys. You see, I just think the Cowboys will go better, and I think Tamalolo will be a massive part of that. If they're there to go better, he's going to be their forward leader again. And I'm just banking on Todd Payton getting the best out of him. But look, I take your point. I'm kind of just there's no real logic behind him going any better. I just it's a gut feel for me. Pick number five. I've gone with Cameron Munster from the Storm. He's obviously the main playmaker in a perennial top four team. One of the two main options from a draft perspective in this shallow position of five eighth grand final against the Sharks. There's plenty of pros on this list here for Cameron Munster being so high. I guess some bad things though, and, and a very key point here. Munster's been rested in the final round, so the Supercoach Grand Final, of the past three seasons. That's just phenomenal to think that Munster has just had a rest before week one of the NRL finals in his past three years. Yeah, that's a, that's a scary fact for sure. Um, it's hard to, uh, hard to argue with Munster. I've got him not too much low. We'll get, I'll get into him in a sec. But look, the only factor I have for him as a negative is I don't know how these storm attackers are going to go without Cameron Smith's assistance. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, probably a reason why Harry Grant isn't my first choice at hooker. I've gone with Damian Cook in the Classic League. Pick six, Kalen Ponga. He's injured as well. We mentioned that Johnson is injured, Travojevic, and the question marks over Cameron Smith. Forgot Kalen Ponga. How could I forget KP? Pick number six for mine, an average of just about 80 last season. Kicks, goals, great finals matchup. The only downside is he is injured to start the year, but I still think all of those factors considered, Kalen Ponga has to be... Well, in the top 10 especially, but I've got him as high at pick six here. Yeah, I'm surprised you've gone so early with Ponga, purely on the fact that I don't think he's due back to earliest round five. Am I correct with that? Yeah, about three, four or five, I think. So anywhere between three, four and five. So he could miss up to a month. Yeah, look, I suppose if he comes at round three, it's probably a good option to go early with him. But if he doesn't come back to round six, that's five weeks where you're really missing your number one draft pick. And I don't know if I can justify that. But look, you can't argue with these numbers. I think Newcastle go pretty well this year. He'll he'll be better better this year as well, probably. Um, look, it's hard to argue. It's just the fitness aspect for me. Just going back on my list for a sec, number five, I had Angus Crichton. 
another second rower. Bit of a broken record with his second rowers, but great minutes. Uh, great, sorry, scores last year. His minutes, he's not really guaranteed 80 minutes every week, which is why I had him below Tamalolo and Madison. But uh, numerically speaking, just amazing numbers last year. And then number six, I had uh, Damien Cook as my top hooker as well. I just think he's the best super coach hooker this year with question marks around Grant and Smith. Hasn't averaged 70 for the past four years, Damien Cook. So you can pretty much hang your hat on him. Yeah, I like that. I like that indeed. Pick number seven, I've gone with Cody Walker. Second 5'8 in my draft to go, I think, behind Munster. Mentioned at length already, South's fixtures to end the year. And playing on that left side, I think Walker will be benefited even more by having a fit Latrell Mitchell on that left side sweeping out the back. AJ on that side is electric. Not many bad points here for Cody Walker to go so high in a draft. This is, uh, I went with Walker and Munster at seven and eight. They're two of the stars of Supercoach. I think we spoke a lot about these two in other podcasts. Uh, It's really just personal preference who you want to go with out of Walker and Munster. I've gone with Walker just pretty much because I'm keen on South this year and I'm also not sure how Munster gets affected by Cameron Smith, as I mentioned. But look, those two, are, these two are really uh, really important players and if you got either of, either of these two as your first draft pick, you'd be absolutely stoked. Yep, you mentioned there that Cameron Smith goes missing. I'm going to fill him at pick number eight with Harry Grant. I've gone him uh, at pick number eight, as I say there. He averaged 71.5 in 2020. He's creative, he's safe, he's a ball-running number nine, which, you know, a couple of pros, a couple of ticks next to Harry Grant's name there. Question marks, though. Is he an 80-minute player? Will he find a way to play big minutes with Brandon Smith in the side? And the fact that there are so many strong other members in this Melbourne spine from a super coach scoring perspective, it might just mean that Harry Grant takes a bit of a back seat at the Storm compared to what he did at the Tigers last year. Yeah, those question marks are why I had him a little bit lower. I still think he's the second best hooking option, but there's two. the two Smith factors are the things for me. The Cameron Smith factor, no Cameron Smith. How does the storm go? Can Cary Grant fill the shoes of Cameron Smith? And then the Brandon Smith factor, could he encroach on the nine position and uh, cut Grant's minutes at any point in the year? They're both pretty, uh, pretty decent issues, I think, to contend with. But look... His form last year was amazing. He looks the star of the future, so you wouldn't be disappointed if you copped him. No, absolutely not. We've already mentioned that pick nine, you had Clint Gutherson. Pick 10, you had Ryan Pappenhausen, so I've already spoken about those two. Pick number nine for mine, I've gone with Daly Cherry Evans. I think uh, second best halfback compared to uh, Nathan Cleary, and of course, Sean Johnson's not fit to start the year. I think Cherry Evans might pick up the goal-kicking full-time this year. Obviously, uh, Ruben Garrick's place in this team isn't confirmed. Some cons to having Cherry Evans so high, I think the turbo factor, I think Cherry Evans' super coach and NRL uh, mindset here, thinking that he's obviously a better player when Turbo's there. Turbo won't be there for the first month. And Kieran Foran on that left edge, he might just call a little bit more of the possession away from Cherry Evans as to what Akade Cuss did in 2020. Yeah, good point. But conversely, could it help Cherry Evans' game? I think we've discussed this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Manly, but could Foran's uh, influence help Cherry Evans even become a better player this year? Yeah, I, I guess it just depends on how many times they touch the ball in the game and, and where they touch it as well. I think we often go back to Joel Kane's mindset of thinking the quarterback. I think Cherry Evans was more of a quarterback sort of style where he did touch the ball, you know, almost at a 3-to-1 ratio to the 5-8 last year. 
But now, I don't know, I think the foreign will call that 50-50 split in possession. So again, it's a bit of a wait and see with Daly Cherry Evans this year. Pick number 10, uh, Tom Travojevic for mine. Even though he is injured to start the year, he will miss the first month. We've just mentioned it there. But he has a great finals run. Uh, he obviously plays the grand final against the Cowboys. And in my opinion, I think he's a better super coach fullback than James Tedesco when they're both fully fit. Huge call. Uh, look, I'm Tommy's biggest fan, but he really has burnt me the past few years. I've got him in this list a bit lower at number 14, but you're really taking a risk. Uh, first of all, he's already going to miss a few weeks, similar to Kalen Ponga. And then just... I don't really have any faith that he's not going to get injured again. Obviously, if he doesn't, he's a massive boost to your team. But it's just—it's getting too much now. These injuries for me. Yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's getting to a point with Tommy that it's—it's it's all or nothing. You really, if you—if you're pick ten and Tom Travojevic is there and you snap him at pick ten, you've either won the lotto or you've just fucking pissed your money down the drain with Tommy because it's either. It's a, it's a it's an all or nothing play, really. It it really is. If you pick Tommy up and you go past someone like a, I don't know, a Payne Haas or someone further down this list here that we both have beyond that first ten, with you know excluding Tommy from that, yeah, it's it's running a little bit of a risk. But I think you have to draft your team with the mindset of you want to be there on Grand Final day. And if you're running into a Grand Final with Tom Travojevic fully fit at fullback against the Cowboys, you you I'd say you're better than. 70% chance of winning that game. Yeah, look, if, if if injuries weren't a thing with him, he'd be in your top three in this list. Like, it's purely on injuries that I've got him at 14. It, there's no other reason. Like you said, he's equal to Tedesco, if not better, on his day. Um, yeah, you've just really got to... Fingers crossed every time he takes a run. Yeah, whether it's on the field or at the Manly Mall or wherever else he's running. <laughs> or in the shower. <laughs> in the shower, yeah. Don't run in the shower. Don't slip in the shower, Tommy. Pick number 11. Uh, we've already mentioned him. You've mentioned him a little bit here. Angus Crichton. I think Angus is probably set to become the best second rower in the NRL. I think he's at that point. You look at the Roosters' social medias. He is looking thick. He's looking the fittest I think he's ever been. I think he's going to be set for more of a roving sort of role. I don't think he will stay on an, on an edge for a full 80 minutes or a full 70 minutes, however long he's out there. I think he's going to shift at times to to allow players like uh, Butcher and, and Radley to make their own way in this team. So I think the fact that Corden has gone as well, no Orbison, he obviously locks down one side of the field to start the match, but I think he shifts in the middle. We saw it at times last year, Angus Crichton. I'm a massive fan of Angus's. Yeah, all those things you're saying, why I only pick 11? I think... Well, yeah, you're right. It is quite low, but I think I've drafted these other positions in mind that the depth of these positions isn't as heavy or isn't as, I guess, beefed up as the two RF is. Angus is the pick of the second rowers for mine at pick 11. But I think what Angus is best last year, I think he averaged around 76 points. You can probably find someone off the waivers who'll get you 55 to 60. So he's only 15 points above per game, someone off a waivers list. Whereas Cleary, pick number one at 83, or Tedesco at 95, what they offer above what the average super coach score spanned across the whole, I guess, competition, every single player is just a little bit higher than what Angus Crichton can offer. Yeah, fair enough. Again, it goes back to strategy playing the game. Uh, a little insight into, I suppose, our relationship. We've played draft the past three years and you've won the past two competitions. So, uh, 
Who am I to uh, disagree with your method? No, and I guess it's worth saying that you won the one previous to that as well. So we do have experience with, I guess, having success in draft competitions. The way I was lucky enough to get Angus quite late last year in the draft, and I was lucky in the fact that there was there was talk around that he was going to play in the centres at the time. I think Josh Morris maybe hadn't found his way across from the Sharks yet, or he did and he was injured to start the year. I can't remember how that played out exactly, but Angus was one of those players who I picked up last year quite late or later than what I thought he would go anyway and didn't do me dirty. So big fan of Angus's and I think he can go to another level in 2021. We mentioned before that you had three consecutive second row picks. I've gone the same way behind Angus Crichton at pick 12. I've gone with Ryan Madison. You're a massive fan of Ryan's. I guess a couple of negatives and another reason why I have him so far down this list. He had that history with concussion last year. I think he missed two or three weeks, maybe even more than that last year. You can speak a little bit more about that. Finals week three against the Storm and a Supercoach grand final against the Panthers. Uh, the concussion, uh, that is a big a big issue, I will admit. I probably didn't take that in consideration when uh, compiling this list, but looking back on it now, he did cost me a few weeks there of not playing, um, and then a few other times even worse where I'd captain him and he'd get concussed after six minutes. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take a captain off him then, so... Look, there's a few players in the league who were coming into the year with those concussion uh, protocols hanging over their head, and he's definitely one of them. Yeah, and absolutely. And you're not going to begrudge a player for sitting out one or two weeks um, for Supercoach or the NRL, whatever way you look at this, if it means that their long-term health and well-being is obviously going to be benefited by that. Next up, I had Jason Tamalolo. Already spoke about Tamalolo. Pick 14, as I said already, Apisai Coruscant. I think he can, well, his minutes obviously a question mark for mine, but uh, I'm happy to have him at pick 14. Pick 15, Payne Haas. I think he's obviously injured to start the year, but I've still got him in this top 15, knowing that what he can produce on his day is probably right up there with the very best of front rowers. Yeah, I had Payne Haas at 15 as well. Uh, His number's very hard to ignore last year. The only reason I probably had him lower than the other gun second rowers and front rowers is that there's just so many red flags around him. Um, he's already going to miss the first three weeks through suspension from off-the-field dramas. Brisbane are a bit of an unknown quantity this year. You don't really know what they're going to do. I don't know how Walters is going to use him exactly. Maybe he'll get more rest. I, I don't know. But look, if he plays 80 minutes, he's going to be a freak for you. That's for sure. Yeah, again, but that's something that's a little bit unknown, isn't it? How many minutes does he play? And if he is only playing... 60 or 65 and he can churn out a point a minute he's still around 70 points per game but again are you going to pick that up as your first or second draft pick when there are players out there that can score 100 120 plus like Pappenhausen like Munster Tedesco Cleary Cook probably not as high so I think previously in our past couple of drafts Haas has been a top five or six pick so he obviously slides a little bit here this year pick 16 I had Anna Reynolds uh, you had Daily Cherry Evans. Uh, already spoken a little bit about those guys. Pick 17, Sean Johnson. Pick 18, Tavita Pangai Jr. for mine. You had someone else at 18, but let's jump back to 17. You went with AJ Brimson. Yeah, it's a possibly a bit of a risky one. Uh, before last year, you would think it's crazy to have him as a top 20 option, I would have thought. But his scores to end last year were just massive. The Titans were on a roll, but a lot of people were predicting them to go pretty well this year again and I think he'll have to be a focal point of that I'd obviously prefer if Cameron Smith ended up at the Titans that might help Brimson even more but maybe not looking the case anymore but look either way I still think if you miss out on another fullback such as a, a Teddy or a Pappenhausen or a Gutho 
Brimson's definitely your next best option. Brimson was actually the last of our common players. I had him at pick 20 behind Dylan Brown at pick 19. We've already kind of gone through these 16, 17, 18, 19 type picks. Brimson for mine, he makes the top 20. Great average last year, 73.6 in limited games, I will say. I've got that average slightly dropping this year, but I still think he can probably average about 70 or even still over 70. Some concerns for mine. Brimson, what made him so good last year could also make him regress in 2021. Look at his stats a little bit more than just the average. He was second only to James Tedesco on evasive stats last year. Obviously means he was very good at uh, breaking tackles or busting the line, but I think defensive lines and opposition coaches are much more aware of what Brimson can do this year as opposed to what he did last year. So I think they'll throw an extra number on the side where Brimson's floating at the back of Fogarty or Taylor. So that might make him regress a little bit more uh, this year. Again, he had a less than average base compared to other fullbacks like Tedesco, Pappenhausen, Ponga and Gutherson as well. Yeah, you are heavily relying on him, I suppose, producing brilliance to get you points, but he showed that he's very capable of doing that. I suppose it's going to uh, come down to, I suppose, how the Gold Coast go because he's not going to be able to produce brilliance unless the Gold Coast are really on top in games. But with the hot forward pack, uh, you'd have to think he's going to get a decent platform set to be able to produce He's and haven't they had some handy additions to that forward pack in the form of Fafida, uh, Tino Sumaliawi, Herman SASA from the Knights, uh, Mo Fodawaka, another year older and, and stronger and wiser. So, yeah, big things, I think, for, for the Titans this year, and that might help Brimson take that average. I've got him sliding, as I said, but fuck, who knows? He could he could lift that average to 80, and we probably wouldn't be too surprised at that. Tommy, a question without notice here. We've obviously gone through our top 20s, but is there someone who you can think beyond the top 20 that you can think can be a real asset, a real diamond in the rough for draft players this year? Yeah, well, while on the topic of the Titans, I suppose David Feeder is one that we could mention. Uh Big scores last year in limited games. Only played nine games for the Broncos last year, and that was a Broncos team who were a train wreck, as we know. Coming to a, a hot young side here, you'd have to think he goes a bit better already with a solid average last year. I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to take a punt on him, that's for sure. Yeah, when I originally put this list of my top 20 together, Fafita was in it, and the more I thought about... Again, I kept coming back to the fact that can he score 100? Yeah, he can, but probably not as often as those top... Uh, five, six to even top 10 picks there. A couple of other things you have to consider with Fafita. Obviously, he was very injured last year. So I think the fact that he comes to a club, he looks fully fit. He's a marquee signing. He's settled off the field now. Yeah, there's no reason why Fafita can't lift that average of 64 last year to 70 plus this year. So no, I think that's a very good shout there indeed. Player we haven't spoken a lot about here in his top 20 or at all, really, uh, from a, even from a classic perspective. But someone who's playing with a little bit of a point to prove this year as well, Roger Tuovaza-Shek. Uh, he's obviously a little bit of a drop down from the names we've mentioned uh, in this top 20 already. But on his day, Roger, he in seasons gone by has been right up there with the very best of fullbacks in Supercoach. Yeah, we really are spoiled for choice in the fullback slot, aren't we? Um, he, Like you said, Maybe not last year, but going back, he was one of the first players you'd want to pick in fullback position. With it being his last year at the club this year, I have to think he's the sort of guy that would want to go out with a bang. So that's definitely uh, boosting his credentials as well. Speaking of fullbacks still as well, Latrell Mitchell is another one we haven't mentioned. I think he's likely to be picked up in a lot of drafts pretty early. I've gone with a few other options, but there's definitely no knock on Latrell. Yeah, you mentioned Latrell Mitchell there. 
Obviously, he had an injured um, finish to last season, so hopefully he can stay fit and for Stouts fans, produce some big super coach scores as well. Tommy, just before we wrap up here very quickly, uh, speak us through some notable omissions. You've obviously got one in mind who scored very, very well last year, but we just couldn't find a place for him in this top 20 to start the new season. Yeah, David Nofaluma, uh, averaged well over 70 last year, and we haven't found a spot for him in the top 20. Quite surprising, maybe, but I think there's a couple of factors to consider here. One is that we really both don't rate the Tigers at all this year, and if they're not going any good, it's hard to really want to, I suppose, back in a winger from that side. And also the fact that the centre and wing slot in Supercoach, there's so many options in that position, and it's all reliant on, I suppose, how their team's going, what sort of a week they have. You can't really, I don't think you can really hang your hat on one person in that role. No, and I think he obviously surprised a lot of people last year with his base points, but also how many tries he scored. I just don't think he gets that many tries this year or, you know, the same amount of tries without the likes of Harry Grant and Benji Marshall in this team. As I've said, we've, we've spoken about this at length already about the Tigers this year and how we think they're going to fare. But no, a fair shout there. And to leave out someone with an average um, 70 upwards on, on last year's scores, to leave them out of the top 20 here might surprise a few people. So anyway, that's our top 20 uh, draft picks. Of course, we'll put these lists up at supercoach365.com.au. Tommy, draft day, it's just seven days away. You can feel it. The excitement's growing. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned at the start of the podcast today, I just... It really just adds another dimension to footy watching and I, I can't wait to uh, get into the draft next week and hopefully I end up with the players I want. Yep, and uh, I guess it's kind of handy for you and I both as to getting a little bit of an insight as to the way we're going to play this game in 2021. Hopefully you've been able to take something away from this as well. Uh, remember, if you are listening to this and you do enjoy it, please give us a favourable review and a rate and a comment or a follow yeah. if you want to show us your love, Tommy. Uh that's all we have time for today. Big thanks for uh, jumping on the pod and I guess a uh, little bit of an insider look ahead. Big weeks coming up for Supercoach 365. Some exciting news which we can reveal uh, from next week. But uh, until then, big thanks for joining us again today and uh, goodbye for now. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.